I might. You never know. <laughs> yeah, good. I know. I know. I like it. Well, I'm going to talk about irresistible faith. I want us to be a people. You know, this is what I always talk about when we get together. This is the thing that I talk about. I want us to be a people that changes our city. The thing that everybody's been talking about up here, I want us to be that. I want us to be atmosphere shifters. I want us to be people that when we walk in a room, everything changes. And that takes some work from us. It takes some learning, kind of like the things that, you know, Hannah discovered that rejection, that she was rejecting people around her, you know, Alex and Nolan know that they have something, but then don't know what to do with it. They, they have all these different things that they deal with. I, I, I call that thing right there, and then Alex even mentioned, uh, uh, like, well, they're older, you know, like they know, they know all that stuff. They got, I, I have this thing, I'm going to stamp my copyright on it right now, 2019 Joshua J. Tinder. Uh, I call it Between the Visions and the Dreams. It comes from Joel chapter 2 where young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. There's a place that some of us get to, like Alex and Nolan and myself, that I'm working on writing a whole bunch of stuff down about this because I feel like there's a lot of people that are in that, you know, 30, 40-year-old thing where we just kind of look around and go, well, I'm too young to be young and dumb, or I'm too old to be young and dumb, but now I'm too, I'm too old to be, you know, young and cool. <laughs> I'm stuck between the visions and the dreams, you see. Like, I have these visions when I'm a kid. Like, when I'm young, I'm going to be this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get there. I'm going to do this. And then I got to get a job. And then my job just makes me sit, you know. And then once you finally have worked all those years, you have this old man thing, this dreams. All these dreams start coming true. These things like, I wanted a house. I wanted kids. I wanted this. I wanted that. All that stuff. But there's this point between the visions and the dreams that causes us to sometimes feel stale. And so that's separate. That was free stuff. So we're going to get there, though. But, I just want, but, but because of those things, I think that we get into a place where we don't. We aren't irresistible anymore, you know. And I want to talk about a faith that's irresistible. A faith like, like Pastor Terry's talking about where the lady behind him, while he's talking to the other guy, says, well, I want you to pray for me. That, that, that faith and belief that, that Pastor Terry, that my dad was carrying with him, became irresistible to the lady behind him. Does that make sense? That's the concept. That's the idea, the goal. But see, there's a lot of things that, that we do as Christians. There's a lot of things that we do that hinder that, I think. And so I'm going to talk about a little bit of that. I'm going to talk about the good stuff. But have you ever... You know, have you ever looked at somebody and thought, look at that person, they have it all together. She's so beautiful, he's so strong, he does this, he does that, she does this, she does that. Oh, she's the, the mom who brings the cookies all the time. Look at her, she brings the cookies. I don't bring cookies. You know, we do all these different things, man. Like we, we view all these people, but then come to find out, maybe they're not that great. You know, maybe they're not that great. Have you ever looked at somebody? I get this a lot, me personally. I don't look like this guy right here, but I look rough around the edges, I guess. I got my facial hair. I look weird. 
people be intimidated by me, even though I'm probably the kindest person in the room most of the time. <laughs> they just don't know. They don't know that I'm nice yet. So they see, they see me like this guy, right? If you look at that guy, you probably form an opinion about him, right? It's almost immediate that you can form an opinion about that guy. And then I can tell you that that is Brian Head, is his nickname, Welch. He's from the, the world-famous heavy metal band Korn. So then I tell you that, you might even form an even bigger opinion about him. But you might know him already, because that dude is wildly and radically saved. Wildly saved. Loves Jesus with everything that he has in him. Just crazy. He had a life of struggle, chaos, and just complete and utter just shame. Shameful life that he's been completely restored. He got a documentary about the restoration of his relationship with his daughter. Everything. And then, after he got saved, he left the band because he thought that was the thing he was supposed to do. Well, about a year and a half or two years ago, God told him, go back and be with the band. So he's touring right now with the world-famous heavy metal band Korn, and he's wildly saved and on fire for Jesus, and he's being a missionary in a field that none of us could touch. I might be able to sneak in there, you know, but... <laughs> with my acoustic guitar. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> I can lead you in worship. So anyway, it's like we have these opinions, right? We have these things in them, but then we have these opinions about ourselves that we don't want anybody to see us. We don't want anybody to know us the way that, you know, like those guys, those guys, they live their lives out in the open, and, and a lot of things that, that, that comes up, and I, I want to ask you this. This is kind of a funny thing. I wrote this down so I can say it. How many of you have ever believed entirely that you would stand up for your faith, be the rock that the world needed, and do everything that Jesus said when you walked into a room, only when you walked in the room, you, you ended up like Abram and was like, no, no, that's, that's not my wife, that's my sister. <laughs> no, no, that ain't me. That wasn't me, no. You know, you, you came in with this big plan. I got all these plans. I'm going to save the world. I'm going to go into my workplace. I'm going to go into the grocery store. I'm going to go into the mall. And everyone's getting saved. Then you walk in there and you look just like everybody else. You put your head down and just press on with life. Happens to me all the time. All the time. And I think, I think that's one of our, maybe it's just our community. I don't know, but I hear a lot of it happening like around the world because I read and listen to I listen to podcasts. I'm a voracious podcast eater. So I listen to a lot of people all over the world, and a lot of people are saying the same thing. That I think one of our downfalls is that we've kind of, as Christians, provided the world with two options, basically, to see Christianity. We've, we've, we've either told them that I'm perfect and you are not, I have it all together. Look at me. I've got it all. So there's those guys. There's that option that we've given the world to see us as. Or there's the other option where I'm the prodigal. I've ran away. It's all is lost. I don't even believe in God anymore. Those are like these two, like, I mean, obviously there's things in between, and I'm not talking about everybody, right? But I mean, there's things. There's these two views that the world gets of us, and they're both really messed up, and they're not real. You know, they're not the truth of who we are. But it's because we're so afraid, we're so afraid to show ourselves to each other, even to ourselves, like in the own room. Like, that's why this is so cool, all these testimonies are coming out. I did this, I messed up. 
Because those things are what opens us up to each other. Those are the things that create intimacy. They're the things that create depth in our relationship that we don't have a lot of out there, you know, because we're, anytime I talk to somebody about my faith, it's always almost immediately shut down, you know, and it's kind of a crazy thing. And I just really think that that those concepts have been really detrimental to us. And I, I want us as individuals to be irresistible. I want us to be new lifers that change the atmosphere, like I said earlier. And I think the way that we do that is to be open with our community and to not, you know, it's going to sound, I don't know how to communicate it very well, but I just know there's something in the depth of me that, that knows that the, the thing that we need to do is to just be alive in our community and be awake, just be who we are, you know, be a, be a part, but while being apart, right? To be a part of what's going on, but to be a set aside, to be who we are, to be those kings and priests, and to walk out the thing but by being honest. I mean, like, one of the things, you know, I don't, how do I describe this? I don't act here like I do at work. My personality is the same. I am the same. But there's little nuances, little differences, you know, because you're at work, you got to be professional, you got to do all these different things, you got to behave a certain way. But one of the things that I've noticed over time with working with people is that I've had many people, it normally happens when they leave, when they're getting ready to leave, they come up to me and they tell me, man, I noticed this about you. You know, like the first time it happened, I was giving a kid a ride home. He was a college kid, so I have a lot of come, come and go with my job. You know, I have part-time workers, so I have a lot of guys that come in and a lot of guys that leave. <clears throat> so I'm giving him a ride home. It was his last night. His, he, his car was, like, packed full of stuff, and it was on a trailer or something, so he needed a ride home. I, I, anyway, so I get him a ride home, and, you know, there we are. It's just me and him. And he says... Man, you know what? The, the fact that you work in that place and you don't cuss like everybody else, that always stood out to me. Right? I know I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it again. Like you just, so I mean like that little thing, like you don't swear. It's dumb. It's dumb to me because I've been, I've been living my whole life. I've lived times where I, was, I, I swore in real life, but I didn't swear around you guys. Do you know what I'm saying? So I've lived a whole life of not swearing when I, when I did, and then I lived a life of I don't swear now, and it's not a big deal because I've always not done it when I'm around certain people. <laughs> Does that make sense? So like I, being around somebody, I don't think of it as, hey, I'm representing something by not doing that. You know what I mean? But that dude, it meant something to him, and he's one of the ones, like I have a few of these students that I still have. Really, he's been gone six or seven years now. And I still have, you know, like, I'm not talking to him on the phone. I don't think I would, I don't want to talk to Nolan or Preston on the phone, to be honest with you. You could ask Preston. I, I don't want to talk to him on the phone. So, but I mean, like, <laughs> but I mean, I have, I have a relationship with him that's still there because of who I was. And then I had, just recently, I had one, uh, uh, a kid leave. He's a 19-year-old kid that he was a full-timer with me. And he, he moved to South Dakota to go be. And we had a going away party for him at my house. And uh, 
I'm not, I, I allow people to drink at my house. I, don't, I hope that doesn't hurt anybody's feelings, but I allow people to drink at my house. And we were having a party and enjoying him and celebrating him and everything. So I had to preface that by saying I let people drink in my house because he was a little bit drunk when he said this. <laughs> but I think the, the, voice, the voice of a drunk person is generally the voice of their heart that they wouldn't say normally, right? So anyways, he, he was, you know, just got emotional, started, you know, he's leaving and he just started telling me, man, he's 19. This is a weird thing for me being 41 now. He's 19 years old, and he said, man, I wish, I wish my dad was just like you. You know, I wish my dad was like you. Man, who you are, the way you take care of your family, the way that you take care of us at work, the way that you stand up for us when you need to stand up for us, and the way that you let us speak when we need to speak. Man, that really, like, it just really changed my life, and I'm just, I'm so grateful that I got to know you, you know. And that wasn't me trying to be a Christian, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't me trying to be like, oh, hey, you know, like, you need this, you need this, you need this. Or it wasn't me being like, oh, man, look at me. I'm perfect. You will never attain to what I have because I'm a Christian and you aren't. That was just me being me, representing who God is, representing Jesus. Like I tell my kids all the time, go show the school what Jesus looks like by acting like him. And that's all I was doing. I'm not sitting there trying to talk them, you know, all that stuff. I get making disciples, and, and, and I know that's the direction that we're going, but I mean that to make disciples, you have to have relationship first. And to make relationship, that's just you being you and being honest with yourself and not, not believing that, you know, the thing that you have that's better than them is not you. The thing that you have that's better than, than what's out there in the world is Jesus. Do you know what I mean? I do this thing where I panic because I think I'm not going to have enough time to say everything, and then I talk way too long, so prepare yourselves. <laughs> All morning long, I'm like, I don't think I have enough to say. This is insignificant, and then I start jabbering. Anyways, so let's talk about becoming irresistible. The, the thing, the thing, that, the thing that, it, that it is, the thing that I really think is really cool is I take, I take scripture like this really seriously. Romans 5, 1 through 2, it's up there. If you want to turn there, you can, but I'm going to just go. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith. Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. See, like I was saying, it's not what we have doesn't make me better than anybody. It doesn't make me better than you. It doesn't make me better than you, 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 anybody. I'm not better than anybody in this room. And I'm not better than anybody in this community because their behavior might not look like mine is, not, is insignificant. What matters is that I have Jesus. I have this undeserved privilege that I gained through having faith. And that's the thing that we're trying to give to people. We're trying to give them faith. We're trying to help them have faith in this king that we say is so beautiful. This king that we say is so good. That's what we're trying to do is give them faith. Give them this undeserved privilege. And so me, I got nothing. I got nothing to give. Real talk, you got nothing to give either but Him. And it's the Holy Spirit in us that does it. So we have to 
become irresistible by doing the things, by looking like Jesus, by developing relationships with, you know, the, the, the deplorables. That's the word right now. I was going to say that. The rough and tumbles of this society. How about that? I don't know. We have to love them in such a special way that they see who Jesus is. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. And I know I talk about it a lot, but it says where we now stand, but we're also seated. Got to throw this up there because this is my jam. We're heavenly places. We are seated in heavenly places with an undeserved privilege, access to the king that can heal hips, access to the king that can heal shoulders, access to the king that can turn somebody's life on a dime, access to the king that can take somebody who, who is rejecting everything around them and shift it right now, right then, right there. We have access to that king. But if we don't, Walk it out, talk it out, then we're just sitting here being between the visions and the dreams, right? We're just sitting. It's good to come here. And this is why we come here, so that we can get built, so that we can get strong. It's the same reason why I go to the gym, so I can flex, man. That's why we come here. This is our gym. This is why we come here, so we can get jacked. So that when we go back out there, I can hold my shield, and I can hold the sword of truth, and I can speak the gospel of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus does the rest. So let's look at another verse. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. It says, Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up the base of operation. This is the passion. The base of operations in the natural realm. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all we do. There it is. It's in the Bible, all that stuff. What I just said is all there. Our goal is to love each other. And then other parts of the Bible say when we love each other, the world will see. Paraphrase. It's there, though. That's what it is. But then it comes back to that, the guy with the little mask thing on his face, you know. I think the best and really the only way that I can love you, no, love you guys, um, you know, is to just be honest. You know, be real with you. Because a lot of times we go places and we have like, you know, we've, we've all got our phone voice. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Where you pick up the phone and it's like, I'm not talking to you like I'm talking to you right now. I'm like, well, hello. You know, this is Josh speaking. You know, like, I don't talk like that. But why when I pick up a phone does my voice change? Or why when I come here does my voice change? You know what I mean? But when I'm at home, I don't know. Does that make sense? That's an over-dramatization, but you get the point. And I was thinking about this. This was really kind of cool. See, because if I hide myself from you, I've already, I've already tainted the relationship. I've already put something between me and you. 
You know, like, if I try to cover myself, then I put myself, I put that thing between you and I. And I was thinking about Adam and Eve. As soon as they had their eyes open, they covered themselves. Number one, they hid in just in general, you know. So they hid from they hid from God just ultimately hiding. But then they put something between the thing that wasn't there. They put the cloth between them, between them and Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like that thing all it, right there was already hindering their 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 ability to be loved and their ability to love. All that that hiding that already reduced the ability. Not that Jesus and God can't do anything, right? That's not the point. But that that thing between there's something between. And I don't want things between. I don't. It doesn't mean we have to go, like, I'm not going to walk around to all of you and please sit down while I tell you all the sins of my life, right? It's not what that's about. But if I, I, I got to be real with you. Like, like Lena's saying, you know, like, <laughs> if we're not coming here to do this thing, then what's the point, you know? And that's one of the things is being real with each other. So let's just allow, let's allow people to be who they are here. You know, let's be a place that's comfortable. Let's be a place that people can come in and don't feel ashamed. They don't feel like they're nervous. They don't feel like, let's just be a place that when people walk in, they immediately feel welcome. Let's, let's just do that. That's really easy, right? We do a fantastic job of all these things, but sometimes you got to put words on stuff. You know? Let's be a place that does that. And then let's also just be ourselves when they do come in. Let's not use our phone voice when it's a stranger. Let's just be myself. Hey, man, I like you. I call everybody man everywhere I go. It used to be a protective system because if I didn't remember your name and I talked to you for a long time, I talked to you for like three days, but I called you man every five minutes. So now when you saw me the next time and I called you man and I didn't remember your name, you didn't think it was weird. (laughs) <laughs> hey man hey hey man hey man so but but now it's just become a habit of life that i do hey man i call everybody man my daughters like my dad everybody even my boss i call my boss that of course i worked there for 15 years but so we have a rapport or whatever but you know it, it is what it is but i'm real there just like i am here i try to be the same guy there that i am here i wonder what that's doing yeah, so let's just try to be a people. Let's just be ourselves. Let's crush any concepts of needing to be perfect for each other, small or large. Let's just get that out of the way. I don't need you to be perfect. I hope you don't need me to be perfect because you're out of luck. It's just the facts. You're just out of luck. I'm going to fail you. I'm going to fail you one way or the other. Not because I'm a bad guy, but because I'm not perfect. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to be able to satisfy everything that you need from me. And you're not going to be able to do the things for me. But I'm going to give my all to you. That's what you can be guaranteed of. And I hope that I can get all back. You know? And I was just thinking, because of the complexity of mankind, not one of us will ever be able to say that we had it exactly the same as the other person. Therefore, nothing you can say or do will ever be able to compare to me, and I won't be able to compare to you. I know that's such a simple thing, but I like to break it down into the little macro, like little details of the thing. Like, 
because I, I was thinking about when I was thinking that when I was writing that down, I was thinking about twins, and I was like, well, they have the same mom, they have the same dad. Well, they had the same school. They a lot of them identical ones. They wore the same clothes. You know, they have the same thing. But here's where she, you know little things. They have the different name. That name might be the difference between one being made fun of and another not. Simple, simple little things. One might have a freckle right here and the other one doesn't. They look like the same person, but they had exactly they had exactly the same upbringing. They went to the same church. They went to the same school. They had the same parents. They had the same life. But one thing, one little minuscule thing can change. One statement that a person makes to you, they could make that same one to me. That wouldn't mean a thing to me, but it might mean everything to you. So there's nothing that we can say or do that will ever be comparable to each other. But we always try to compare each other to ourselves. Always. It's almost impossible not to. I don't know how. I try not to. I'm probably a little better at it than some because I just have this careless thing in me that you guys know about. I try to be good. I try to get it right. but I like being me. I'm satisfied. <laughs> but... Uh, so let's just, that's one area where we just stop comparing, you know? Let's just stop looking, don't look at the other person and look, oh, look, at they got it all together. They brought the cookies. She, oh, look, you know, Pastor Suzette, she always has the donuts. And I don't know, I never bought donuts. I'm never, I'm not a good person. I should probably just go home and never come back, you know? Like that stuff happens. It happens. It really does happen. It's a strange thing. And so I just, it, and I think, I think it's because we strive for perfection. And perfection is pretentious. And perfection pushes people away. You like all those peas? Bang. Perfection is pretentious and it pushes people away. That's all it does. Pretension or pretentious means attempting to impress by affecting greater importance, talent, culture, etc. than is actually possessed. I love basketball. If I try to go play with, with LeBron, not going to win, right? He could, do the, the, he could do the child thing to me, hold, <laughs> hold my head while I'm, you know, that thing. He could do that, right? So it would be pretentious of me to think that I could give him a shot. Does that make sense? So that's a thing that we kind of do in, in our community. We kind of do this pretentious thing to where... I, I give myself more importance because I know Jesus. So I give myself more importance because I know Jesus. And then I talk to people in that way. I talk to people about their, their choices. And they talk to them about who they are. But I, I do it in this way that has this greater importance. Look at me. Look at, look at who I am. I know that you're wrong and I know that I'm right. You know? And it causes this struggle between us and, and society. And it just pushes people away. I was thinking about when, man, it's really late. I'm sorry. Uh, I was thinking about when I was in the Air Force. Um, I used to be just wildly ashamed of being from North Dakota. I have no idea why. I mean, to the fact 
to the point where I spent some time with my uncle at my uncle's house down in Savannah for like a few months when I lived in North Carolina. So I brought back a flag of Georgia, hung it up on my wall, and acted as though I was from Savannah, Georgia, because I was so ashamed. This guy, the guy who has reckless abandon for anybody else's opinion, I literally lied about being from North Dakota. And it happened because every time I would mention that I was from North Dakota, be like, do they have lights up there? <laughs> Do you guys have plumbing? Do you guys this? Oh, whoa, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. And I'm like looking at this, you know, country dude talking to me. Like, bro, I know that you probably went to the bathroom in an outhouse while you were growing up because where you're coming from and you're talking to me, you know? And so I just turn it around. Well, I'm just going to say I'm from you. You can't make fun of me if I'm from you. But then I made a fool of myself when I'm saying I'm from here and I don't know nothing about where I'm from. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, right over there. Like, oh, yeah, 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 I know. It's like, it's like the people that, uh, the, the people, I, I, so I've been probably to like five or 600 concerts in my life. It was a thing that I did. That, though, I think I mentioned this before, but I love the people that you're standing next to in the crowd that they just passionately, deeply singing all the wrong lyrics. They, they believe wholeheartedly that they know this band. They, I've been listening to this band since five minutes ago. I know it all. And they're singing, blah, they can't even get the words out right. Some of the things, just blah, blah, but they, they're, they're trying to make me believe because they don't want anybody to think that they're not a part. So they're trying to make the guy next to him, me next to him, believe that this is their favorite band they've ever, like, this is their life. And it's a thing that happens. It's hilarious. And that's, that's being pretentious. It's a thing that we do as human beings. It's not just a Christian thing either, but the Christ, we, we add that thing to where we know more than they do. We, we know better than they do. And so we add greater importance to ourselves. But the greater importance is he that is within me. Not me. It's not a competition. It's not a race. That is, it's, not, it's, it's not a race that's won on singular. Like the race, I so, if there was a finish line at the end of this thing, I hope that I'm holding hands with all you guys in the room. I hope that's what I get to do. You guys are my, my dreams, my, my hopes, just like my kids. This is my other, my other dream, my hopes. This is the thing that I constantly think about. I constantly pray for this place. I hope that we get to run across that line together. I know we're all going to be gone at different times. That's just nature. But we cross that thing together. Which is why it's important to be honest with ourselves and to be honest with each other. Let the real us be here. Because honesty is humble. And it hugs humanity. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's it. I just think that's fun. That stuff is fun to me. Oh, man. And Jesus is always our example. I, I want us to hug humanity. I want us to hug our city, our great grand city, by being, being like ourselves. And I thought about this. Look at this. The, Jesus, the one who sat up in the middle of the night talking to Nicodemus. Jesus, who held a conversation with the untouchable Samaritan woman at the well. 
He drew a line in the sand for the prostitute. He ate and drank with the tax collectors and the other, you know, junkies of the community. One of the, this one always gets me, but one of the first missionaries that Jesus ever sent was the man who was called Legion. The man who was so consumed by de- demonic activity, he said, can I go with you, Jesus? And Jesus said, no, nah, man, go back home. Tell everybody what happened. That's one of the first missionaries in the Bible is the guy who was called Legion. Can we, can we have that concept here? That a person who's the drug kingpin of Grand Forks? I don't know if there is one. I'm pretty sure there has to be. But can that guy come find Jesus and turn around and change everything in our city? You better believe it. You gotta believe it. If we don't believe it, then pack it up and go home, right? I mean, what's the point of what we're doing here? This is what it's all about. Bringing an irresistible faith to believe that everything can change on the dime. When Jesus resurrected, he went to Mary and Peter the two mess-ups. He loves that we're all messed up because it makes us need him. He wants to heal us. He loves those and comes to those who don't have it all together. This is the one major draw of him. If he can love them, well, then he can definitely love me. And the best part of that is that it aligns with God. It aligns with the Old Testament stuff too, right? Who did he pick? Abraham the liar, David the murderer, adulterer, Jeremiah, went, all these people went the wrong way, said the wrong thing, did the wrong thing, Solomon with all his stuff, Saul, anointed king that should have never been anointed king knowing that we know now, but Jesus knows, God knows, he made all these choices because he knows for one simple fact that he alone is perfect, but he loves us. Because he's perfect, and therefore he can pick Saul, and Saul can do what he has to do to set forth the path for David to become who he becomes, and then this happens, that happens, all this cool stuff, and then boom, Jesus. And that started with Saul, and it started before that. It started with Adam, and then Abraham, and then, you know, all these different things. Well, there's too many names to remember in order. But from Genesis until the end, it's all a process that he's taking us through. And nobody's going to do it right except for him. That's why we got to lean on him. That's why we got to take the Holy Spirit like Alex was talking about. Use that thing that we've been given, that gift. Because being yourself is like being Jesus. You're made in his image. You're created to think like him, talk like him, walk like him. That's a weird one, right? The walk part. Sidetrack. I don't think of God as walking like I do on two legs. But if I'm created in his image, hmm. (laughs) Yeah, anyways. So when we begin to act like him and not just a ghost of his character, when we really begin to take on his attributes and treating people like he did, I think we're going to see a change. I really think we'll see a change in our community. And I know, I, I believe all of us in that room attempt to do that. Don't get me wrong. But I, like, I'm going to tell you like I tell my kids, 
there's always. Actually, I tell grown men at my job this too, by the way. There's always an opportunity to be better. Always. Because of the fact that we can't make perfect, there's always an opportunity to be better. Hands down. I just th- there's just a couple things that I was thinking about when it comes to Jesus, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock it off. Large numbers of people swarmed in from everywhere when they heard of him and his wonderful works. When we start seeing wonderful works here, the more, the more things that start happening that we're talking about and we're going to be praying for even after, people being healed, people coming to Jesus, then it's the exponential thing, again, like Alex was talking about. One person tells the next person. They tell five people. They tell 100 people, blah, blah, blah. He had healed so many that the sick kept pushing forward just so they could touch Jesus. I long for a day that people are pushing to get up to the front of this church or wherever we are, not this building, but wherever we are that they're pushing to get to us because we have that thing. I like this one too just because I love power. But it would throw a person down at Jesus' feet screaming out, you're the son of God. That's the, the demonic thing. The devil bows in his presence. And if I walk with his presence, I hope, I hope one day that the entirety of Hugo's comes to Jesus because somebody came falling at their knees saying, not that I'm the son of God, but you know him. I need to know him. This thing's tormenting me. I hope, I don't know how it'll work out. I just have these big delusions of grandeur. But Christianity isn't always easy. Whoever told you that if you come to Christ, everything magically changes, and it's all rainbows and unicorns from there on out was lying to you. See, simply said, life doesn't change because you come to Christ. See, life doesn't change because you come to Christ. Life doesn't change. You change. Life doesn't change. You're still going to struggle. You're still going to have bills to pay. You're still going to have kids that don't listen. You're still going to have dogs that don't listen. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You're going to have cars break down, tires go flat, all that. Life doesn't change. He changes you. And then everything after that, the flat tire, doesn't become death like it might have before. The world, alas, all is lost. My tire is flat. You know? Because we have Jesus. We have that privilege of standing. We get to do it with God. Hmm. And I thought of this little thing. So, speaking of standing, this is going to be really fast, I hope. Pick up your mat. This all came to this. This is what it all came to. I was talking about pretentious talking about hugging humanity, talking about being honest and humble. And I always think in the story, you guys all know the story, the guy laid there for 38 years on his mat, couldn't move, couldn't get in the pool, I can't get in the pool, I can't get in the pool to get healed. Jesus walks up and says, hey, dude, pick up your mat and go. That thing that phrase, pick up your mat, is like always this thing that hangs over my head because I don't, I never got that part. I still don't get it, but I saw something in it this time from this perspective that I was thinking about being irresistible, being irresistible 
to the community around us. Pick up your mat. See, I, I think a lot of times when we, when we come to Christ, we think that we're supposed to stuff all that stuff, all the stuff that we did, all the old, the, the, the old guy, the dead guy, that guy that's dead. I think we're supposed to, we, we think we're supposed to just bury it in that grave, sweep it, you know, put, sweep it under the rug, and then press on and act like it never happened. Because now I'm saved. But in this story, he tells him to pick up his mat. He tells him to take his mat. Why? It sounds so, that's such a dumb question, but why? Why did he tell him to pick up his mat? I'm making, this is all, what do they call it in court? Conjecture? I'm making this up. But what if? What if he wanted that man to be reminded? What if he wanted him to take that mat, put it up over the mantle, and remember it as a trophy? There's my mat. Like, walking wasn't good enough. Like, he wouldn't remember 38 years of not walking. Like, walking wasn't good enough. Like, he's not going to look down and be like, oh, I'm walking again. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like that. But no, but, but he had him pick up that mat. It's a trophy. Also, Jesus knew it was going to make other people stumble because it's the Sabbath, not supposed to pick up your mat. So he made that guy an evangelist without him knowing. Go carry your mat around. I think there's this really kind of funny third reason that maybe it was we need to clean up after ourselves. You know? We've got to clean up after ourselves. It's experiencing his victory. We have to clean up what we did. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's part of it too, I think. Pick that up. Don't just leave that there. But think about this. 38 years. This is where it's going to hit you at home. 38 years. I wonder, because he picked that mat up, and he put it up on a wall as his trophy. I wonder if he ever looked at it and said, if I just lay down again for a second. Because now he's got a job. you got to have a job. You're not getting supported by the people around you anymore when you need to walk. So what if he looked at it and said, just a second. I was so comfortable by those pools with my buddies around me. Just a second. I'm just going to lay down for just a second. I think, I think because I've been in the same place as Alex and Nolan, I think that's what happens is that I, I've done that same thing. Between the visions and the dreams, I'm just going to lay down for a second. I remember that. That makes me happy. That place that I laid for 38 years, that's comfort. So I'm going to make this choice or that choice. Those things that I used to do that made me comfortable, I might try them again. And it doesn't mean, I'm not talking about going on a raging binger or something like that. I'm not talking about, you know, going and doing wild things. But I'm saying even thoughts, thoughts that we used to have about ourselves. I'm not good enough. You know, Jean Marie was just talking about that. I'm a failure. That's, we're cool, right? That's her climbing in the mat for a minute. Like I've done a million times. 
just climbing back in that 38-year-old map going, oh, yeah, that feels good. But it doesn't. It feels like garbage. But we think there's comfort. You know, I'm trying to diet right now. Not diet. I'm trying to eat right. I'm trying to be healthy. Right? But the other day, I wanted some stupid chicken strips. That's my 38-year-old Matt right there. You know what I'm talking about? That's just, it's just a chicken, just a chicken strip. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I got them. I ain't going to lie to you. I got them. I ate every last one of them, too. <laughs> Barbecue sauce. It was up in there. <laughs> it was good. But then later on, it felt like garbage. You know, I've been eating, like, black beans and quinoa and all this, like, just vegetables, plants. Give me plants. I'm, like, I'm just loving it. And life feels good. I feel healthy. But then, you know, and like Lena talked about it, when she goes through those moments of, of lapse of judgment with food, she gets this, this childish thing like, you're going to tell me what to do. <laughs> I'm the one who told myself that I want to eat this way. But you, Lena, are not going to tell me what to do because I'm Lena. You know? It's the same thing. We all do the same kind of stuff. You can't tell me what to do. But I'm the one that's telling me to do it. You know, it's just so goofy. But I don't want us to lay down anymore. It's going to be hard, and it's tough, but I, I just wanted to point that out because I think a lot of times we lay down, and it's just the, even the slightest things. Push. Push through. Let's carry our mats. Let's carry them into our homes, our families, our workplace, our awesome city, our big old grand city. Let's behave as though we're privileged to be standing where we are, holding our mats, holding out our past junk, our current junk, and then the junk we're going to carry in the future, let's let the world know who we are. Not that we know something better than them, but that I was this, and now I am this. I was lost. I used to think I was a failure, but now look at me. That's what we got to tell the world. That's who we are. Let's behave as though we're seated in heavenly places. Let's show people what Jesus is like by acting and looking like him. Let's remember the things we've come from. Look forward to the places we're going. If we really do believe that there is a heaven and a hell and we have the answer to getting into the good one, then let's act like it and hold nothing back from our city. Let's take the truth of who we are with the truth of who he is and ignite a movement in our city that will be unmatched. It's the big thing. It's there, it's out there to be had. Don't know what to do, but I know it's there. And where it starts is by believing that God is a healer. If he can heal me, he can heal you. If he can heal those people like Pastor Terry was talking about, if he can heal those people in South Dakota, he can heal you today. So let's pick up some mats today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Do it.